Well, good morning. I'm Matt Silver, pastor of Experience Christian Church, and thanks so much for joining in on this message. We're in week three of our series, Anxious for Nothing, and we're talking about anxiety. Anxiety is something we're all going to deal with, especially now as we're talking about the coronavirus, but anxiety is not something that has to debilitate us. It's not something that has to take over our lives. We're at war against anxiety, and that's the fact. But, like author Max Lucado said, he said, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. You know, we were dealing with anxiety before COVID-19 came on the scene. And when you think about the anxiety that has been previously happened for years and years and years, there's two numbers that I'd like to throw your way. The first one is 18. 18% of Americans struggle with chronic anxiety. This isn't just feeling bad or a little nervous. This is debilitating anxiety that's affecting sleep, work, relationships. The other number I'd like to tell you about is 1,200. 1,200% is the increase in anxiety people have been dealing with since the year 1990. Over the past three decades, there has been a 1,200% increase in anxiety. Think about what our parents and their parents went through. The Great Depression, World War I, Vietnam War, and yet here we are now dealing with a way higher level of anxiety. Anxiety is complicated, especially now. I wonder what those stats would be if we were to poll everyone this month, this week. It will be quite different, I'm sure. I've talked to Several friends over the past week that have just been just like, oh, goodness, I can't believe what's happened to the stock market. Some of them are currently retired, and they're thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to have to go back to work or not. Others are worried about their future retirement. Some have lost their jobs. Others have had to lay people off as bosses and employers. Others feel guilty because of the fact they still have employment. Some people are dealing with sick family members and people they're concerned that may be sick. There's a lot of anxiety You know, if you were to think of anxiety on a continuum where here you have 0%, where you could really lead a class on anxiety, and then you have 10, where there's just this maximum anxiety level where we feel like we might be losing a little bit. All of us, regardless of where we find ourselves on that continuum, have shifted a little bit in this direction, haven't we? Well, anxiety is a complicated issue to talk about. You know, it can be physiological, it can be emotional, it can be situational, but I would argue that there's always a spiritual component to anxiety. It's complex and should be dealt holistically. Sometimes we just have to get professional help when we're dealing with anxiety. We may need a counselor to talk things over with, a nutritionist, a doctor to prescribe medicine, or any other combination of care. We shouldn't feel shame when we need professional support. We should look at those as gifts from God and should go after those things. So if you're feeling that's where you're at today, don't feel shame in that. There's a lot of pressure for us right now and get the help that we need. I hope you find encouragement in this series, Anxious for Nothing, and the series focuses on the spiritual side of anxiety. The series isn't an original idea. I've been feeling the tension of anxiety and turned to Max Lucado's book called Anxious for Nothing. I've been reading that. I've been listening to other pastors as they've led through this series themselves, four others, just looking at their messages, thinking through my own sermons on Philippians 4 before, and then also thinking of how I just this passage of Scripture has just carried me through some deep and heavy times. I think we need it now because anxiety, it's not something you deal with once and then you're done. Anxiety constantly repeats itself. And I believe over the next few weeks, we're going to see constant issues and causes of anxiety that we're going to have to deal with. Well, this is week three of our four-week series that if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go to the website. Check it out there. You can go to experiencecc.org slash live. Watch the video there. You can also go on Facebook. And these series are designed to build on one another. Each week goes more and more forward, expressing new concepts. 
This is a deep dive in the book of Philippians. Philippians was written by a man named Paul. And he's writing from not a sunny resort, but he's writing from prison. He's you know, under 24-hour-day house arrests. He's locked up awaiting trial. And month after month after month goes by. And he's left with questioning, what's my future hold? Am I going to make it out of here? And so he's writing this. He's ripe with anxiety. He's wrongfully accused sitting in prison. And he quotes these words. Let's read Philippians 4, 4 through 8 together. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And then just like your mama tells you when you're not paying attention, he repeats himself, I'll say it again, rejoice. At a time when he could have been focused on his own anxiety, focusing inward, he writes those words. It's pretty cool. Verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. In this verse, it sounds like something you'd get on a t-shirt, right? It sounds like something you would want to put in somebody's Facebook chat form when they're expressing bad news, just to leave it there and kind of walk out of the room. And certainly, you get some people that liked it. You get a thumbs up. You may get a heart. But inevitably, some people would give you this red angry face. And why? Because it can seem callous. I mean, rejoice always. We've had a lot of things challenging us, right? You would say, Paul, do you mean rejoice in the midst of quarantine? Hey, Paul, my hours got cut in half. Should I be rejoicing because my salary isn't what it was? You know, Paul, I've got some serious anxiety now. I'm getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and this isn't my normal, you know, overproductive bladder. This is, no, I'm getting up at 2, 3, 4. I'm restless at night. Paul, are you saying I should be relieved now? You know, some of you, you are now working in your basement, fighting to finish your schoolwork, and it's your senior year of college or high school. Paul, should I really be okay with this scenario? Yet he goes on in verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So from that little portion of scripture, we're identifying Paul's game plan for dealing with anxiety. These verses help us go from anxiety to peace, from chaos to calm. And now that this is week three, I'll let you in on a little secret. Calm is actually an acrostic. In the first week, we looked at the word celebrate. We looked at verse four, and there we said, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. And we said that Paul's not telling us we're supposed to rejoice in our hardships but rather we're supposed to rejoice in the Lord. We were to celebrate two things. One, that God is both good, worthy to be trusted, and that he's in control, and that he's also near us. Last week, we talked about asking God, and we looked at verse 6, and that says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And our key phrase was, we said God is able to do incredible things to ease our anxiety, when we pray specific prayers to him. We said that there's three words in that passage that deal with prayer. It's prayer, petition, and requests. And all three of those words are very similar, but they're not the same. Prayer is this generic version of just saying, talking to God. God, thank you that you're real. Thank you that you're here. And if we're looking at a bullseye, it's like the outer rim of a, of a target. Then we're getting in a little closer. And that's what petitions are. Petition is this humble declaration to God, I need help. 
We humble ourselves enough to say, God, I need your help. But we're not quite specific enough yet. And that's where requests come in. Requests are the bullseye of the target. It's that area where we actually get very specific with our prayers. And there we said with specific requests, we go deep with God and share with him exactly what's causing our anxiety. And we begin making specific requests for him to do something. And today we're talking about listing it. Well, list what? We're going to stay in verse 6, but we're focusing on one word in particular, and that word is thanksgiving. The answer is to list things that we're thankful for. We're going to be talking about that thankfulness is a powerful antidote to anxiety. Now, some of you, you may be anxious if I don't tell you what next week's word is. It starts with an M, that's a hint, but it has two meanings. It has a meaning for this week and next week. It actually, this week means make sure you come back and watch next week. Pretty awesome, huh? No, you're probably thinking, better than it says, Matt's a moron. Maybe. Thanksgiving. Well, he knew what research continues to prove, that thanksgiving and gratitude is a powerful force. This is a key phrase we're going to be saying throughout this message today. As thanksgiving goes up, anxiety goes down. Now, you may have a hard time believing that, but gratitude and anxiety can't occupy the same space. Anxiety is a concern of a bunch of what-ifs. It's this unknown future, and we just worry about it. We get ourselves wrapped up. It's a bunch of what-ifs, like, what if this happens? What if this happens? But gratitude, gratitude looks at what is. What can I be thankful for now? What am I experiencing in this moment? And it's impossible to live in both the future and in this moment at the same time. And gratitude has an enormous effect on our overall health. Studies link gratitude to a stronger immune system, lower blood pressure, better sleep quality, reduced heart disease, better kidney function. If it was a pill, it'd be a wonder drug. That's the powerful of gratitude. Well, expressing gratitude may not come easy if we're wrestling with the weight of anxiety, but work for it. Identify things to be thankful for and watch what happens to your anxiety. A Benedictine monk said, happiness does not make you grateful. It's gratefulness that makes you happy. You know, you can learn the skill of being thankful, of being grateful. At first, it may feel like you're just going through the motions. It might not feel natural. But this quote helps me think through that. It says, it's a lot easier to act yourself into a feeling than it is to feel yourself into an action. You know, Carrie and I have been working with our kids trying to teach them the power of gratitude since they were just small children. We would have them do prayers and thank yous at night. Now, admittedly, some night it's a little like pulling teeth to get them to identify something they're thankful for, especially if we've gotten into it a little bit before because they didn't want to brush teeth or do the shower thing. But we want them to learn the skill of gratitude, so we've stuck with it. I learned this from a family called the Berries, and they were good friends of ours in Maryland. And I led a small group with them, and so I was over their house, and there was about 15 to 20 people there, and we were all standing in a circle, and they're like, hey, I'd like everybody to say thank yous. And we did. And it was this powerful moment where the room just got filled with gratitude. And they explained to me that they've been doing that with their kids since they were little. It's, they're all in their 20s now, and they still continue to do the gratitude exercise. We've been doing that in our prayer Zoom calls. And admittedly, some of those calls, I just was anxious throughout the day and wasn't sure I felt like getting on at our 8 p.m. call. But I did. And once we got filled up with gratitude, it was like anxiety started dissipating. Because I saw it very real. As Thanksgiving went up, anxiety went down. But let's face it, Sometimes it's hard to have an attitude of gratitude in our culture, especially when we're scrolling through Facebook and Instagram and we're just kind of looking what everybody else is into. 
Like, this is a pretty hard season, and yet some people just seem like they have it all together. I have friends that have turned their basements and their driveways into CrossFit gyms. It's like, seriously? Like, should you really be concerned about abs right now, of all things? Some families, they're just ridiculous. Like, they're dressed. Like, they don't have pajamas on. Like, they're really, really dressed. Like, seriously, come on, people. This is difficult. Zoom chat rooms full of people that are doing games. Like, wow. I swear some people have just been watching the DIY channel nonstop. <laughs> They've been doing mulching, they're painting rooms, they're doing projects, like they're building kitchen tables as they took a walk and saw this old barn and they found this app. So they just cut the wood off and they just make this table out of that wood. And it's just this beautiful DIY project, right? Maybe a little extreme, but you get the point. When we see people like actually engaging in positive things in life, and if we forget that they're actually struggling like we are, if we fall for the illusion that they actually have it all together, well, we start thinking we're not enough, that we're not good enough, that we're not busy enough, that maybe we're not doing the right things. We start wondering if we're worthy enough, are we smart enough? And we find the opposite to be true, that as Thanksgiving goes down, anxiety actually comes up. And that's why we need to do things that express gratitude. Not just talk about gratitude. We need to do something concrete, something that will help us sink in. I want you to do something. I want you to grab your phone or grab a piece of paper and a pen, and I want you to start making a list of things that you're thankful for. Like, for real, do this. If you're watching this series with somebody else, make sure they're doing this. And I'll say this. The more specific and targeted your gratitude, the more powerful it works against anxiety. Don't just say, I'm thankful for my friends. List the individuals and why. Don't just say, I'm thankful for my job, but what is it that you like about your job? How does it make you feel? Don't just say, I'm thankful for my home. Zoom in. Be specific. Something changes when we start identifying and thinking through the things we're thankful for. My guess is a lot of the things that you're thankful for might just be steady, tangible things like, I'm thankful for running water, my refrigerator, my microwave, my Vitamix, my bed, my phone that allows me to communicate with other people. But then there's also the other items that I treasure. And these are the ones that are linked to a memory. You know, this is a great week to grab a memory box or look over at your shelves and look at some of the mementos that you've kept that are special to you. I'll show you a couple of mine. One is a wedding ring. This was my grand grandfather's wedding ring. And uh, when I was seven or eight, we lost my grandmother, his wife. And I can remember I lived next door to him and I would see him just fidgeting with that ring. He would twist it and he would pull it off and clean it at times. And I watched him do this for years. And I remember right before I got married, I was about 23, and I asked him, you know, Pop, I see you play with that ring a lot and you take it off. Do you think of Grandma when you do that? And he said, yeah, yep. I think about her every day and I miss her every day. I've been close to two decades. And that ring's so special to me because it represents a promise of a strong, committed marriage. I love it. My other thing is this mug right here. Now, I know what you're thinking. This isn't quite as manly of a mug as you'd expect me to drink out of, but it's one of my favorites, and I'll tell you why. This was the best Valentine's Day gift ever. I told Carrie, hey, I'd really like to get one of the original sets we had when we first got married. This is a Falscraft mug, and I didn't understand that I wasn't supposed to care about how we decorated the house as the husband. We started getting married. I came from a retail background. I had an opinion about everything. And I didn't know that was against the rule, so I expressed my opinion. We went to the Falscraft outlet, and we were looking at all these collections of dishes, and, and I was weighing in. And we left that store, and she cried a little bit. 
And I was like, what's the matter? She's like, I just didn't expect you to care about that. I thought I was going to get to pick them. Sad, right? But what that mug does is it takes me back to when we first got married. And I'm really thankful for how far we've come along. I can remember what our first apartment was like where I started using that. I also remember uh, the first time I felt like a man. I was like 24 and a half years old. I had this bathrobe on. I was drinking out of the coffee cup and I looked out the window in our townhome and I'm like, I'm it. This is it. I'm old. Well, what items do you have that you're thankful for? Look around. Look around the room. If you're driving, look around the car. What are those items that just mean something to you and take you back to a memory or a person? Here's the deal. When we're thankful for practical things that we own, when we reflect on those items, well, we forget about the things that we don't own. We forget about the items we want. And that's just a beautiful gift. So how many things do you have on your list now? Are you up to five? Do you have 10? Well, there's another category I'd like you to think through, and that is who are you thankful for? Writing them down, writing those individuals' names down is a powerful thing. And again, don't just write their names. Write down why they're special to you. You may have known of Duke University legend, the basketball coach, Coach K. He'd won five national championships, and the last one they won was in 2016. And he gave everyone on that team these instructions, both coaches and players alike. He gave them a basketball, and he says, I would like you to write the names of everyone who helped you get to this point. This could be parents. This could be friends. This could be someone who's passed you the ball over the years. Anybody who helped you get to this moment, I want you to write their name down on the basketball. And I want you to carry it all the way through the tournament. So they carried on their bus, on the airplanes, in the hotels. Some of them even slept with it. But what it did was it forced them to recognize that they didn't get there on their own effort. It forced them to think beyond themselves. And whenever we think beyond ourselves, well, it's a pretty cool thing. We forget about ourselves. The more we focus on others, our gratitude for them, the less we think about ourselves. So who would you write down? Maybe it's your first boss. Maybe it's a teacher, a family member, a childhood friend, someone that you really appreciated. And as I think about writing names down, it makes me want to be the kind of person that other people would want to write my name down. You know, in this kind of time period, it's really important that we step up and we love other people well. When so many of us are anxious, it's a really good thing to love other people well. I read that gratitude arises most naturally in conditions of scarcity. Again, gratitude most naturally occurs when we're in conditions of scarcity. You know, we can profound and just get good at doing gratitude, but it just comes pretty natural when we're missing something. You know, nothing's more satisfying than when you don't have it and you finally receive it. I was thinking about uh, my kids. If I have this bottle of water and we go on a walk and I'll say, hey, you want to hold this water? And they're like, no, I don't want to hold that thing. It's going to, cumber- it's going to be cumbersome. It'll slow me down. But then once we walk for about an hour, like, Dad, can I have some water? <laughs> they can't get it fast enough, right? There was a scarcity, so now they like the bottle of water. So here's another thing I read. It says when people receive a gift, that feeling of gratitude motivates them to pay it forward and extend a helping hand to others. And they said the chain of generosity occurs when someone feels gratitude, that they can actually ripple out into other people. And they said it can go from person to person to person. It can go three links later. It reminds me of those drive throughs where we had to pay for the next customer in lines. And when I researched that, I was surprised to find a Starbucks had over a thousand people pay it forward. That's amazing. 
Gratitude's amazing thing. How's your list coming? Well, I have a video that I'd like to show you. I mentioned earlier, it was a Benedictine monk who talked about happiness and gratitude. And I watched this video this week probably 10 times, and I love his outlook on gratitude. And admittedly, the video we're going to watch, it's five minutes long. It's a little slow, but he has a really cool accent. I think you'll like it. But what you'll find is he has just this really unique perspective on gratitude and where we can find it. And it's a surprising places. So take a couple deep breaths and allow this video to help you write a few more things down on your list that we should be grateful for. Take a look. You think this is just another day in your life? It's not just another day. It's the one day that is given to you. Today. It's a gift. It's the only gift that you have right now. And the only appropriate response is gratefulness. If you learn to respond as if it were the first day in your life and the very last day, then you will have spent this day very well. Begin by opening your eyes and be surprised that you have eyes you can open. That incredible array of colors that is constantly offered to us for pure enjoyment. Look at the sky. We so rarely look at the sky. We so rarely note how different it is from moment to moment with clouds coming and going. Open your eyes, look at that. Look at the faces of people whom you meet. Each one has an incredible story behind their face. Not only their own story, but the story of their ancestors. All that life from generations and from so many places all over the world flows together and meets you here like a life-giving water if you only open your heart and drink. Open your heart to the incredible gifts that civilization gives to us. You flip a switch and there is 
electric light. Turn a faucet and there's warm water and cold water and drinkable water. A gift that millions and millions in the world uh, will never experience. And so I wish you that you will open your heart to all these blessings and let them flow through you. That everyone whom you will meet on this day will be blessed by you. Just by your presence. Let the gratefulness overflow into blessing all around you. Then it will really be a good day. What I like about that video is it challenges to find gratitude in common places. It's a great shift in perspective. You know, there's power in perspective. Perspective is just simply looking at the same thing from two different points of view. Take social distancing, for example. As an extrovert, it's driving me crazy. I'm missing people like crazy. But introverts, they're looking at like fashion statements, memes that say, I was born for this. Wait, I wasn't. Good for you. That's an example of perspective. Same issue, two different vantage points. Here's a fun picture you could check out that also expresses perspective. It's Bigfoot, so take a look here. It's a great example of perspective, right? But isn't that how anxiety feels? I mean, look at the size of that foot. That kid is going to get squished like a bug. Could you imagine being that kid's mother when you first saw that picture? Well, if her perspective was accurate, she would say, eh, that's fake. The kid's just behind there. He's not really under the shoe. But isn't that a great analogy for anxiety? Some things just feel like they're completely overwhelming. And others might think, oh, that's not a big deal. But to us, they're huge issues. It's super serious. And so perspective is important. And that's why Paul was able to walk so decisively about being thankful, even amongst the hardest issue. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Paul was able to find reasons to be grateful in all his circumstances, in every circumstance. But what if he didn't do that? You know, here's a version that he could have said, and I would call this Paul's anxious version, the PAV translation. It's made up. But what if he wrote these words? Blame God. I'll say it again. Just blame God. Let your anxiety be evident to all, if they even know or care how bad things are for you anyway. God is nowhere to be found. You shouldn't be calm about anything. Look at what you're up against. All hope is lost. You know you're on your own in this mess. There's no use looking to God or anyone else for that matter. No one gives a rip. If you hope to get through this, you better pull up your bootstraps and make desperate moves. What else do you have to lose? You're probably going to lose anyway. Hey, you know that tightness in your back? That pit in your stomach? Get used to it. 
Think about all the things that could happen, and no matter how you try, things are probably going to be worse than you could ever imagine. Accept the side effects of worry. The heart disease, the headaches, the joint pain, lousy relationships. It's all part of the deal. All is lost. Quoth the raven. Nevermore. A bit theatrical. Maybe. You could tell I was never in drama, right? But hey, there are days when I resonate with that version of, of uh, Philippians 4 than Paul's actual words. Sometimes I just have a hard time staying positive when I'm anxious. But we can look at a situation with anxiety or gratitude. The choice is ours. Listen to what Paul said earlier in his book of Philippians, in his chapter 1. And here's what he said. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul is viewing this this situation not from, from his own perspective, but from God's vantage point. Would he rather be free? I'm sure he would. Would he rather not have someone watching over him all the time and be a prisoner? More than likely. But he's taking part of a different vantage point. You know, he's not necessarily seeing himself as the prisoner, but he's questioning, who's the real prisoner here? This guard that's supposed to be watching me? Well, I'm preaching to him nonstop. He's actually my prisoner, and I'm watching God change him or her life. That's amazing. What a great perspective shift to be thankful for the opportunity to share Jesus with your captors. This isn't stopping the good news, Paul would say. This is actually spreading the good news. And I think Paul was calm during that situation. He was able to celebrate who God was. He knew God was good. He knew God was in control. He showed that he always asked. He was willing to go to God in prayer about all things. And he listed things that he was thankful for. If you look at the beginning or the ending of most of his letters, he has a list there of people he was thankful for that had played a role in making him who he was. It's a pretty cool thing. And Paul didn't just give this message once. We may think, oh, he probably just meant it in, in the book of Philippians. He never said it again. No. Check out what 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 says. It says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It takes a skill set to be able to stop in the middle of hardships and be thankful. I like what Matthew Henry, he's a famous Bible scholar, and he was once accosted by thieves who took his billfold, and he wrote these memorable words in his diary. He said, let me be thankful first, because I've never been robbed before. Second, although they took my billfold, they did not take my life. Third, because they took my all, it was not that much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not someone else. Friends, that's amazing how he could look at and express gratitude in the midst of that hardship. But I think he also knew the secret. As thankfulness goes up, anxiety goes down. There may be times when things just feel very, very dark, and it's hard to express gratitude. But I want you to know, friends, that at least we have Jesus that we can hope for. Paul, in this book of Philippians, it only has 104 verses, but he says Jesus Christ 40 times in this small book. It's clear that on the top of his thankful list is Jesus, and he means it. I want to share one last thing as we transition to a time of communion. 
about one word that Paul uses for thankful, and it's the word Eucharistia. In it, you probably see this word, Eucharist. And Eucharistia means give thanks. And Eucharist is something we do every week as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We remember that Jesus offered his body to reconnect us with God. We take a piece of bread, which represents the body that he offered to us. We take a cup that represents the blood that he shed that covers up our sins. It's amazing to take time and do that every week and remember the sacrifice that he made. The second word we find in there is charis, and it means grace. This is the Greek word for grace, and our salvation comes by grace through faith. Not that we earned it, but Jesus freely offers it to all of us. And the last word is kara. And when God's Holy Spirit lives in us, he fills us with joy. And that's what kara means. It means joy. And so here's a thought for you as we head to the Lord's Supper. That we receive grace. Receive grace. We experience joy. And we give thanks. It's a pretty powerful message when you start thinking about what we can be thankful for. Friends, life's not always easy, but there's plenty to be thankful for. And one of those things we experience every week when we take the time to do communion together. So if you've received Jesus and you've made him your leader and your forgiver, I'd encourage you to grab those two elements that we talked about, and we're going to take those together. And then we'll pray together when it's finished. This here is the body. Rounding of this Jesus' body broken for us. And this represents the blood that Jesus shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's drink the cup together. If you will, let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for allowing us to come together virtually today. That God, oh, we might be separated, but we do not need to be isolated. We can still come together and be the church. God, your church has been doing communion in several locations. Rather, that's been in the catacombs, in chapels, or in homes. And so, God, thank you for the opportunity to do that and reflect on your goodness. That, God, you're both good and in control. That you want us to present our requests to you. That you, that you want to hear them. And God, you've given us so much to be thankful for. So we're thankful for Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity to gather here this morning or this evening or whenever we're watching this message. We love you and we're thankful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.